Welcome to the First Impressions Podcast, the official podcast of the Forum of Incident Response and Security Teams. Every month, Chris John Riley and myself, Martin McKay, share informal conversations with security professionals from around the globe. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers alone, and any sarcasm you hear is purely intentional. For more information on FIRST or this podcast, please check out FIRST.org. Hello and welcome to the First Impressions Podcast. I'm your host, Martin McKay, and today I am I am with my friend Brian Honan. Now, Brian, you are the you're in charge of the BH Consulting. Uh, you're also a member of the Iris Cert for Ireland. And what's partial probably the reason we're talking today is that you are the program chair for this year's first conference in Ireland. And how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Martin. It's, thank you for having me on this on the podcast. It's uh, at long last we get to have a chat on the podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think this summer maybe we'll get a chat over uh, a, a couple of whiskeys, but uh, oh yes, we will. No doubt about that. Looking forward to those. <laughs> so now I'm not going to even try and say the the theme for this year's report because it's in I assume Gaelic and yeah, not something I could do any justice to. So what is it? Yeah. So the theme for this year's uh, conference is Nyart Le Kela. Uh, and it's, a, as you said, it's a Gaelic phrase, which means strength together. And um, we took that as the theme for this year's conference because of, uh, you know, we've all had to struggle and work through the pandemic for the past two, two and a half years. This is the first time as a security and incident responder community that we're going to be together in the physical world. We haven't been together since Edinburgh um, and kind of, you know, being stronger together, strength together, we felt was a, a good theme uh, for the conference based on the fact that we're all coming back together again. It was actually also the Irish government's official slogan for the COVID response during the year, uh, during the past two years as well. It's, keep working together, keeping stronger together. I want to say that's a nice synergy, but that's not the right term. It isn't sort of a no. nice echo or mirror of that um, response to, to, to COVID-19. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's, it's, it's as a community, we're coming together to protect everybody. Um, and we, you know, and as an incident response community, that's basically what we do. We, we, we work together, we share information, we, we take steps to uh, protect each other and, and, to, uh, and to protect others, uh, you know, those outside our community, uh, our constituencies. So, uh, yeah, it, it felt like a right, you know, it felt like a good team to have for this conference, especially it being located in Ireland and using the old Gaelic phrase as well. well and one of the things I've grown into and, and learned as I get further and further into my security career, we're not standalone. We're not something that's just a bolt onto the business and go. We have to be building partnerships between us and other security professionals, between other parts of the business. We have to know what the business is and support it. All of these things that make it more important than ever that, that security professionals be bridge builders. 
Oh, absolutely, and and like uh, like while we're on the topic, I think if you look at uh, Ireland, uh, this time last year, well, nearly yeah, nearly twelve months ago, uh, May of last year, our health service got hit by the Conti ransomware gang, and that took down all the health systems here in Ireland. So all the public hospitals had their IT systems offline. So for four to six weeks, our hospitals had to revert back to pen and paper. And coming back to the point you made, Martin, is that, you know, we're not just IT in isolation anymore. We have critical services, we have society, we have people relying on secure, available and uh, uh, ro robust IT infrastructures. And, uh, you know, our hospital systems gone offline was a great example of how IT has become so important and how organizations have become so dependent on IT for everything from, you know, if you take the HSE is, is patient care right down to, you know, uh, you know, patients had to walk in with their own medical records to tell so so the doctors knew what was going on. So it just demonstrates how important it has been. But it was also great from, you know, as you said, I, I run iResearch, which is uh, was Ireland's first uh, computer emergency response team as set up in 2008. It's a not-for-profit organization, and we provide services to uh, uh, the Irish internet community here. Obviously, since I've set up, we, there's also the Irish National Cybersecurity uh, Centre has been set up, and that's the national cert, and that, that, that is very active, and we work closely together whenever we can. But when the HC attack happened, it was really great seeing the cert community reaching out and offering help, uh, be that, look, given intelligence or, you know, uh, IOCs, etc., what to look for, or offering offering help in whatever way, and uh, even in the, in Ireland, the IT community, you know, sending people who volunteered their time to work in the hospitals and, and restore the system. So, it, your point is very, very valid, Martin. You know, 20 years ago, IT security was just worried about IT. Now it's not, and we need to work together, and we need to reach out and build bridges, as you said to other parts of the business and other parts of society and government as well to make sure that we have the appropriate protections in place. And one of the things that has always been interesting about the first conferences has been some of the lessons learned that people talk about there. Um, I don't remember if there's a something from the COVID-19 attacks on your hospitals that we're going to be hearing about there. Is there? Do you know of? There's not. No, there hasn't been any... So, Unfortunately, no, no, no submissions in there, uh, but I would recommend those, anybody who is interested in, in, in learning more about the attack, on the HSE website, so that's hse.ie, uh, PwC have, they've done an analysis of the, the attack and put together a report as to, you know, what root causes what happened and how the response was handled. And it actually runs to something like 140, 150 pages of a report. Uh, and it's it's a very good report. And there's a lot of lessons in there that not only for the HSE to take away, but for many organizations to take away as well. Like the root cause of the attack was a malicious email with a uh, an Excel spreadsheet attached into the email. 
Uh, that got onto, you know, got into a user user's machine. They opened the email, double clicked on the uh, Excel spreadsheet, which uh, infected their computer. It then downloaded more uh, uh, malware onto the machine to enable that machine to become the beachhead, if you like. Uh, and from there, the attackers move laterally across the network. But when you read through it, you know, there's a whole lot of questions. CIOs, CISOs, in the many other organizations should ask themselves, you know, would my, would my email protection so stop that email coming in? Uh, the machine that got infected initially was Windows 7. So obviously, wow. you know, yeah, that's that's a big problem. But how many corporates are still running Windows 7 in their environment? You know, there, there, there are quite a few. Very tenly was the antivirus software on the machine was installed, but hadn't been updated in, for several months. Uh, and if it had been updated, it would have caught the initial malware. But uh, again, do you have visibility across your estate to make sure your AV or your endpoint detection is updated and working and installed on all your devices? Uh, and then, you know, lateral movement was the usual suspects there, multiple, multiple min accounts available on, on different machines, uh, no segmentation on networks. Uh, there were alarms being triggered. They weren't investigated fully enough or responded to. So, you know, it's a very good report. There's a lot of lessons that people should take away from that report and, and uh, uh, apply them to their own organizations. Um, it sounds like just about every basic mistake that the, you could make was made at some point in that, but I'm not trying to throw stones. I'm just making an observation. No. Yeah, yeah. You know, look, look and uh, I read the report and I was gone. Yeah, but to be perfectly honest, Martin, I've been involved in 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 many uh, breaches, and there was nothing there that that was unique. That I've seen in other other breaches have had similar root causes. It's either somebody clicks on a link, download malware, or gives away their credentials or uh, the some machine not patched properly, you know, like if, if you look at the majority of breaches, they're not sophisticated attacks, despite what the new press release might say. It's somebody clicked on the link, somebody clicked an attachment or somebody didn't do what they were supposed to be doing. It's, 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 it's just circumstances can, uh, come together to, to, to give you a, a problem. If that machine had a proper antivirus software on it, there wouldn't have been a breach. If somebody had responded to one of the alerts, there wouldn't have been a breach, you know, so. You're yeah. absolutely right. But let's shift back to something a little bit more pleasant yeah. of <laughs> what, what does the program chair for a conference like the first conference in Dublin do? What, what is your role for the conference? Yeah, it's great. First of all, it's a great honor to be asked to be the program chair. I've worked on the program committee for the first conferences uh, for the past few years. So uh, being asked to be the program chair for this year was was a great honor. And it's a great opportunity for me as well, because believe it or not, Martin, I know we bumped into each other at many conferences over the years. This will be my first first conference. Uh, I haven't been able to attend a, a first conference before now. So uh, I'm I'm excited about that, but to be the program chair even adds more excitement to it. So 
program chair is the role is uh, quite varied. So first thing you do is you you help select the team for next year for the for the conference. So you have to run a, you know you can run a competition or whatever, and then you you you, you pick the team. You 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 pick the the program committee. So you know people are you know volunteers will uh, people will volunteer their time to be on the program committee. So you uh, you select people on the committee. My goal this year was to try and, uh, and have as uh, as diverse a range of speakers as possible, be that from uh, various different backgrounds, uh, you know, uh, uh, various different air, air parts of the world as well, to try and make us share more information and, and to make make us more global and and and, and reaching out. Uh, and so working with the program committee, we tried to make sure we we took that into account when selecting uh, and selecting the paper. So, yeah, you work with the team, you, with the program committee, you try and coach them, advise them whenever they're, they're selecting thing, uh, selecting the papers. You then have to, at, at the end of all the selection process, is select the talks based on the reviews you, you, you've gotten from the program committee. And then the one that pulls your hair out is trying to put the schedule together. To me, that, that 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 was the most challenging because you've got all these great talks, great speakers. You've only got so many slots in, in to to do it, and you're trying to make sure. Well, that's a great talk. That's a great. Let's try. Let's not have them compete against each other, or let's have some sort of, you know, if somebody's going to go into one of the rooms for a talk at nine thirty in the morning, maybe have to follow on talk uh, of a similar type so that. They're not trying to find a way around. So you do try and keep that in mind when you're putting the program together uh, to try and make it as engaging uh, as possible and to spread out the talks over the week. You know, you don't want to it's to try and keep the engagement going. And then things will happen between selecting that. You know, speakers may drop out. There may be issues. Work, people running workshops may be looking for more time or different days, and it's 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 working with the, with with the, uh, the the first team, the the events team, which are fantastic. You know, I just want to give them a big shout out. They've been been a great support to me, uh, Tracy and and Grace and uh, Kirsten and, and and Serge. They've all been uh, fantastic support and given guidance along the way. And uh, yeah, so that's 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 what it is so far. Uh, nearly each week. Martin, I'm, I'm learning. Oh, you're you're responsible for this as well, Brian. So you need to be doing this too. Oh, okay. Nobody told me that. <laughs> oh, and wait till we get to the actual event, and anything that goes wrong will be coming to you. Exactly, exactly. So actually, what I promised Tracy, and I'm putting this on the podcast now, so make sure that the promise is not just to Tracy, is that I'm going to try and put together a. So now you're the program. You're the program chair. This is what you're supposed to do, guide. <laughs> Don't do what I did. Yeah, yeah. Make sure you keep. Make sure you, you, you keep Tracy happy. She'll look after you. <laughs> and and even though this is a podcast and nobody can see us, neither of us have a lot of hair to spare for being pulled out for oh, this type of thing. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but another part of first that has always made it great, at least for me, is the the types of people we get to meet. The types of people yeah. that are in in different industries from around the world in different organizations globally, and that is 
it is one of the most important parts for me of going to first is all yeah. of the events that you get to do outside of watching a presentation outside of the the formal events but just sitting yeah. down to have coffee with somebody or a drink with somebody to me that's one of the big, biggest and most important parts of first the first conference it, it is and you know uh what i what i found uh over my over the years working in this in the CSIRT community is the connections you make at conferences can be invaluable when it comes to working on incidents because yes you can have you know on the first website you have the list of all the first members and all the contact details and if you need help from a a, a certain another uh, country or constituency you can go through the 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 reg registry and talk to people, but nothing beats picking up the phone and going to the person you had a beer with at the first conference and say, hey, Martin, it's Brian here. I have a problem. Can you help me out? You know, it, it helps get the things moving quicker and faster. You know, I think the networking and, and the interpersonal aspects of a conference like first are invaluable. Yes, the talks are fantastic. Workshops are great. You will learn a lot by attending workshops, conferences, and there are lots of social events around. But it's it's the people you meet, it's the relationships you build up. It's 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 they they they're invaluable. And I, I'm really excited about this year's conference because it's going to be physical. It's, it's, it's so much easier to make those connections in a physical environment and in, in a physical uh, conference than it is in, uh, in virtual conferences. You know, we've, we've had two or three years of virtual conferences, not just for first, but for other events. And it really isn't the same. Uh, you know, yes, the quality of the talks are still very good. Uh, the workshops are still very good. But the human connection, the relationships, the community aspect, are very hard to recreate and maintain uh, in a virtual environment. Bringing it into the back to the real world, I think, is is is, is invaluable. You know, it's, it's it's very very good. Well, and I don't know about you personally, but as a presenter, I I do feed off of feedback from the audience, and and seeing their faces or hearing their comments. There's nothing oh, worse. I'm watching them walk out of the room halfway through your talk. <laughs> That's never happened. Well, okay. My yeah. experience sometimes, but yes, no, you're right. You, you, we're like vampires. We feed off the energy in the room, and uh, you don't get the same energy from a screen. No, it's hard. Now, Dublin, people yes. who are coming to your to your country, what should we know about coming to Dublin? It's not all. Guinness and whiskey. It's, I mean, it's a beautiful country um, you've got yes. there. That sounds yes. bad. It sounds like I'm threatening you, Brian. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Who are you? <laughs> uh, but tell me, uh, I mean, what should people look forward to seeing or take time out to see? Because that's an important part of, of going to someplace like first that you go to see yeah. the environment. You go to see where something new. Yeah, look, Dublin is a great is a great city. I, I really enjoy living in Dublin. Uh, there's lots to see and do, lots of cultural things to do. Uh, Ireland is an old country. You know, we we've been uh, around for thousands of years, and we have some fantastic tours in Dublin. Uh, 
at the end of the day, though, Dublin is just another city. And if people do have the time, I would encourage people to take time to do some of the tours outside the city, you know, like maybe spend a day or two down down the countryside somewhere or even base yourself in Dublin, but do some of the tours of places outside of Dublin. Like uh, uh, there, there is uh, uh, Wicklow, which is which is south of Dublin, is known as the Garden County, and it has fantastic mountains and lovely walks and houses that country houses you can you can go and see. And uh, north of Dublin, there is Newgrange, which is a megalithic tomb, which goes back thousands of years. And like we Irish like to joke that we were building these tombs while the Egyptians were building sandcastles. You know, it's it's older than the pyramids. And twice a year at the solstice, the sun shines straight down the middle of the tomb. So, uh, you know, it's there's great historical stuff in, in Dublin. You can immerse yourself in the history of the country and the culture. You know, we have uh, traditional Irish music, traditional Irish dancing, and it's, it's just out there. And the people, you know, particularly outside of Dublin, as I said, once you move outside the big cities, uh, People are very friendly and, you know, are very happy to talk to to, to people and, and, and show them around their area. So, uh, yeah, do take the time to see some of the sights uh, and scenes uh, throughout Dublin. Don't, sp- you know, don't spend your days in the pubs, uh, days and nights in the pubs. Yes, you'll enjoy the Guinness and the whiskey, but there's a lot more to Ireland than, than Guinness and whiskey. <laughs> well, and quite frankly, Actually, Dublin's a beautiful anybody- walking city. Yeah, anybody who's into sport, go to Croke Park. That's C-R-O-K-E, Croke Park, which is the stadium in Dublin where Irish football called Gaelic football is played. That's the headquarters. And also we have a sport called hurling, H-U-R-L-I-N-G, which is the fastest team field sport in the world. uh, and you can go there, there's a, there's a tour and there's a museum and you learn about the history of those sports. And it, it's a good insight as well into uh, Irish culture. Uh, the sport is totally amateur. So uh, <laughs> nobody, uh, when I mean amateur, it means nobody gets paid, you know. Uh, uh, so you have people who play at the highest level and each year in September is the All-Ireland Final and the top two teams in each sport play, and you will have 80 to 90,000 people in the stadium watching 30, 30 people play their game. And uh, the only people getting paid in the stadium are the ushers and the stewards and the people who are serving the beer. <laughs> well, at least somebody's making some money money out of it. Yeah. Brian, I, we've, we've been talking for a little while. What, is there anything I haven't asked you about that you really want the listeners to know about the first conference this year? Uh, not, I don't think, I think what I would love people to do is is to come to, to the first conference and whether you're a long time firsty or a, a new time firsty to uh, take the time to meet each other whether that's at the official social events or the unofficial events that will happen around. Resurrect old friendships because we haven't been around each other for a while, but create many new friendships. Uh, and, you know, bearing in mind the theme of, of the uh, conference is Nyarta Kela, 
strength together, you know, only together can we can we continue to 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 to, to keep the internet safe and, and, and secure from from the from, from from those who have more nefarious reasons than than us to use the internet. And one last thing I'll say is people should be willing, able and eager to come up and introduce themselves to you, to me, to all of the other members of FIRST. Absolutely. That we're not intimidated. I mean, you and I are big guys, but we're not mean guys, so they can talk to us whenever they want. Absolutely. You know, and if anybody, I'm happy to talk to anybody and introduce people to to others as well. So, uh, you know, the, the, the criminals work together. They, you know, we, we see them on the their undergrounds and underground markets and they're sharing information. We need to work together to fight them, you know, working together, we're stronger together and getting to know each other is, is a way to do that. Well, I've been talking with Brian Honan, who is head of BH Consulting, head of the Iris Cert and the program chair for this year's, uh, it's the 34th annual first conference from June 26th to July 1st. And I really look forward to seeing you again, Brian. Yeah, you too, Matt. And by the way, people, don't forget to bring your raincoats. We don't have sunshine all, all the way through in Dublin. So, uh, you know, uh, come for the people, not for the weather. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the First Impressions Podcast, and thanks to this week's guest. You can find Chris John Riley on Twitter at Chris John Riley, all one word. You can find me, Martin McKay, on Twitter at MCKEAY. And you can find the first organization at first.org, F I R S T D O T O R G. You can also find more information about First and the First Impressions Podcast at first.org. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.